Hi, I'm Quinn Carnegie. Welcome to Manifestation, Motivation and Passion. If you're looking to transform by delving into brain science, sacred inner wisdom and want to heal and feel great about your life and live in your powerful loving center or bringing affluence into your world, then tune in and let's evolve together. Hi, I'm Quinn and you're listening to Manifestation, Motivation and Passion. Brain rewiring required. Today I have Penny with me. And Penny has an in-depth knowledge of naturopathic support and homeopathy. Penny also specialises in nutritional advice, blood chemistry analysis and hair tissue mineral analysis. And when Penny's not in the clinic, she also teaches and supervises students in homeopathy and nutritional medicine, as well as having three beautiful children. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I get a little bit busy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for joining me. So my interest was all about trauma and how that relates to the brain. And what Mm. fascinated me was until recently I wasn't aware that serotonin is a neurotransmitter that regulates sleep, mediates mood and inhibits pain, but it's also produced Mm. in the gastrointestinal tract. How does what happens in the gut contribute to how the brain functions? Yeah, oh, God, it's such a huge topic as well. (laughs) And um, one of the things I know from trauma is that it's really difficult to get a chicken or egg situation, which one is the cause of bad gut function and which is the cause of bad brain function. Uh, But with trauma, I mean, I guess you're aware too that the bad stuff starts first in the bad feelings and stress, uh, fight, flight switches on. So in a way to get to that whole serotonin thing, we've got to kind of look first at, you know, the vagus nerve, right? Yes. Everybody goes on and on about the vagus nerve in trauma uh, kind of treatments and all of that kind of thing. So if you're in fight, flight because you've had trauma, and you're reacting inappropriately in a non-dangerous situation, but that your brain is telling you that there's danger, you're switching on your fight-flight, which is your sympathetic nervous system. This is all your nervous system that is governed automatically, and it's called the autonomic nervous system. You're not actually aware of it all happening unless you're a yogi or something. You know, there are a lot of people who get really into meditation and they can influence their nervous system and and you can but anyway I'm going off track so in terms of when you have that trauma trigger response in a situation that's not actually dangerous your body's switched on as though it's dangerous you're not going to be prioritizing rest and digest and repair you're going to be prioritizing running away from whatever threat real or imagined is there so you're not going to be prioritizing your digestive system well this means that yeah it minimizes blood supply then to your gut and it minimizes nerve supply to your gut so the vagus nerve is one of the chief nerves that governs gut function rest and digest when you're not in fight flight so when you sit down to a meal and maybe you're having an argument with somebody or you're You've seen something horrible on TV or you've just had a really hard day at work and you're sitting down and thinking, oh, I've got to eat before I get into this next whatever and you're in a rush. You've got fight flight switched on so you're not in rest and digest. So the the vagus nerve, when it's switched on properly, is parasympathetic. 
rest, digest, repair. Mm. So the vagus nerve governs making sure you've got enough stomach acid, making sure you've got enough enzymes to digest, making sure gut motility is working well. So starting at the top, if you don't have, and I'm, I will get to serotonin in a sec, but this is really important. <laughs> if you don't okay. have enough, <laughs> if you're switched on to fight flight, you're not going to have enough stomach acid, right, right. Uh, amongst all the other secretions. And you might think, oh, well, my stomach acid's a bit low, whatever. But then you're going to get, first of all, fermentation of protein in the stomach so it's not going to digest properly. Then you're getting things like reflux happening. And a lot of doctors will say, oh, but reflux is from high stomach acid. Actually, a lot of the time it's from low because you're getting gas glopping up into your esophagus. Then not only that, your stomach then secretes the food into the small intestine. So the small intestine should be an alkaline environment because you've got the pancreas and, and the bile salts neutralising the, the stomach acid from the stomach. But if you've got low stomach acid, when that food gets secreted into the small intestine, you're not actually triggering off all of those um, secretions properly from the, the pancreas and from the gallbladder. So the food, the chyme, which is what it's called, is actually too acidic for the small intestine because it's not being adequately neutralised by those secretions. Then what you get is the wrong bacteria growing there if it happens again and again and again because then you've got a relatively acidic small intestine. So that happens because of low stomach acid because of a lot of the time because of stress. Mm. Then what happens is you get the wrong bacteria making the wrong products and one of those products that some of that bacteria make is serotonin. There are other cells in the body dedicated to serotonin production as well. It's not just the gut bacteria, but you're setting your gut bacteria up wrong right from the start if you've got low stomach acid. Wow. So it sounds like the gut really is the second brain then because there's so much going on that we need to look after to be able to get all those nutrients up to the brain so it can do its job. Yeah. And one of the things about serotonin is that it's also responsible for gut motility. What do you mean by movement that? of so you have these what's called peristaltic waves driving the food through the gut. Now one of the substances responsible for peristalsis, you know, those kind of oh, movements yes. that, that the intestines make and, and the stomach. It's all of this muscle, this the smooth muscle that's governed yeah. Yeah, by what's called the, the enteric nervous system. So what we're talking about with the second brain is that there's entire um, there's this entire nervous system dedicated to the gut. So the minute you swallow your food down your esophagus, which is that tube leading to the stomach, to the anus, the whole gut is lined with nervous tissue called the enteric nervous system. And it's governed by what I was talking about earlier, the autonomic nervous system. And a lot of it's governed by the vagus nerve, which is the chief autonomic parasympathetic, it's called, nerve that supplies that rest and digest kind of function of the gut. Okay. And now I understand with the enteric nervous system that fewer carbs and either less or no red meat can lead to like an improvement of gut health. 
is that I know everyone's different, but, you know, there's the, um, and I can't think of the name of it, there's a book that is your gut personality that says, you know, certain people shouldn't eat meat and that sort of thing. Is there any truth behind that? Is that the, the there's eat right for your type? I think it's called. Oh, that's the that one I'm thinking of. Yes. I would say yes, but with a grain of salt, I wouldn't generalise like that for anybody and there are variations. I know people who are O blood types who theoretically do really well on meat, high um, protein meat sort of diets who are vegan and I can't comment on how well they're doing or, or but they seem to be doing fine. Other, you know, other people who are A blood types who theoretically could be better on a vegan diet, maybe eating meat and being fine. So I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule, but I can tell you a story about my own journey when I was first studying. This was like 20 years ago. It was very heavily kind of skewed towards plant-based diet and I'm not against a plant-based diet at all and I actually went plant-based for a while. I lasted about two years um, and I'm an O-blood type. <laughs> so I just remember walking past chicken shops and, and like salivating <laughs> and my body my body did really badly and I, I, you know, I was learning nutrition so I was making sure I was getting all the right plant proteins and combining proteins between um, legumes and, and rice and just making sure everything was kind of balanced. Yes. Um, my hormones went out of whack. It was terrible. The whole thing was terrible. I put on 10 kilos. Wow. Um, my hair started falling out. My nails were buckling. My iron just went through the floor. My energy was terrible and my stomach was constantly bloated. And, I, I, you know, I'm an O blood type. So when I read that book, it actually gave me permission to stop being vegetarian. Wow. <laughs> um, I think yeah. certain people can cope very well with meat. And once I started eating quality meat, I'm talking grass-fed, organic, if you can afford it, I think most people do need a little bit of that here and there because it provides such a rich source of not only protein but zinc um, yes. and, and a whole lot of other minerals and iron. Mm. I, and I think, you know, that balanced diet is so important, making sure you're aware of, of how your body copes with particular foods and, and there is no one answer to all that. On saying that, what you were talking about with carbohydrates, mm. um, you know, that, again, I don't think all of us should be keto. I think, and, and keto meaning only eating protein and, and your non-starchy vegetables, mm. I think that might be good for a short time for, for people who are in the fitness industry or men, uh, maybe some women, but I think for people who are really adrenally drained, especially for women going through perimenopause or, or women who have had a lot of trauma and maybe men as well, I can't speak for men so much, mm. it's really hard on the adrenals and it's also really hard on thyroid function. So I think some carbs are really nurturing, you know, like your root vegetables, sweet potato, your yammy type things are quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are various qualities of carbs. So your white rice has very high GI, yeah, for example. Yeah. Chocolate lollies, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of people who crave carbs are very usually 
very stressed and their adrenals are crying out and they're in fight flight. And, you know, if you're in fight flight, you're not in rest and digest. So you're not going to be able to feel like you want a big, nice protein, nutritious meal. You're just going to want carbs to feed your blood glucose, to run away from that bear, even if there is no bear, because that's what fight flight does. It gets your body ready and primed to run. So it's not, it's not going to be into digest. I guess that's what you could say. So you will, you'll crave simple carbs. Oh, sorry. Can I just jump back to now you touched briefly on um, perimenopausal and I had a conversation with someone just a couple of days ago that said, how do you trigger the chemicals in your brain to offset perimenopause and or menopause because they don't have those feelings of, I think her words were, nothing excites me anymore. Like I feel like I'm just, Mm. there's no emotion. Like it's just existing. Yeah. How do you, I guess, raise, you know, through through food or, or, you know, is there something that can be done to elevate those um, hormones naturally? Uh, uh, yes it's a big subject the one of the problems with perimenopause especially when it comes to the combination of perimenopause and previous trauma is that when we stop ovulating our ovaries no longer produce progesterone in the same way and so our body relies on our adrenals to produce progesterone Mm. so of course you know a lot of us are in perimenopause we've got kids we've got maybe aging parents we've got really big job responsibilities so even without trauma it's um pretty full-on and and then you add in trauma and your adrenals are usually pretty wiped out by so yeah so if your adrenals are already wiped out then i guess what can be done to focus on that gut brain connection to improve your moods and Mm. so your emotions yeah it it takes a bit of work and i don't know if you can get it perfect at 50 (laughs) i'm still working on that but supporting adrenal function is huge you know not filling your body with caffeine listening to the i'm tired cues which can be sometimes hard if you're not fully connected to your body making sure you don't eat boatloads of sugar even if you have sugar cravings and one of the biggest indicators of low magnesium in the system is sugar cravings oh and low zinc. interesting okay yeah chocolate well, i'm Sugar and a tea girl, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And a lot of people who have been through trauma, they, they crave sweets and, and caffeine because they're stimulants, so they, they can help us stay in that stimulated state, which we're used to. It's almost like we're addicted to it. Yeah, and I know I mentioned to you off air that I've been, you know, a victim or survivor, whichever way you look at it, of human trafficking. So it's something yes. that has prompted me to start the podcast and look at the different mm-hmm. ways that we can help ourselves. So so obviously stress affects our cognitive abilities. Mm. Just sort of jumping back to that gastrointestinal tract, the, am yeah. I right? I think I read somewhere that at least 50% is produced in our gut. Is that correct? Are you talking about serotonin? Serotonin, sorry. That was badly worded. Yes, serotonin. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's all right. 
I think it's up to 90% or even oh. Yeah, and serotonin is oh. kind of our feel-good hormone. You know, there's that dopamine kind of thing. And to put in a really, really oversimplified nutshell, dopamine, you get a hit, you know, if, if your sports team wins or if you do well in a video game, you get this dopamine hit, which is why it's so addictive. Mm. Um, with serotonin, it's more our kind of contentment hormone, I guess you could say where we feel a little bit more content. So if we're really low in serotonin, we might be wired and constipated. <laughs> sometimes, it, sometimes it can lead to other, you, you know, it can lead to diarrhoea as well, um, oh. especially if the gut bacteria is wrong and there's a whole lot of other stuff that's wrong. But, yes, yeah, so because serotonin is responsible for gut motility, it can often lead to constipation or imbalances in constipation, diarrhoea, all of that kind of thing, and and feeling anxious and wired but I think also you need a whole lot of uh, nutrients to make sure the serotonin is produced you need the right gut bacteria in balance mm -hmm. and and all of us because I've had trauma as well as you know mm. um, so this is a big area of mine where I really focus on in in my practice and it's it's about trying to help to tone down first of all that fight flight reaction trigger which doesn't happen in the gut, but the gut responds to it. Yes. And I think that's where where the core of it lies, which for me, food-wise, you can't really cause that to happen. I mean, you know, I'm saying that there are people with, um, you know, binging and stuff like that, that sometimes can force blood and nerve supply to the gut, which I think is why people do that because then it, it forces them I guess out of fight flight that you know we don't want to be doing that because it's not good for our health and it's not good for our well-being but being able to find other ways to re-circuit I guess the subconscious so and the, the brain so that we can reduce that inappropriate fight flight trigger is is key and you know no matter how much you support the gut in making serotonin in, in gut bacteria and all of that kind of thing, that's still important and I'm not saying it's not. But I think to originate it at the, the core of it, at the that emotional, it's the amygdala in the brain that sends out those danger signals that's affected by the trauma. It's our, one of the areas of learning. Yes. So if we can work on that part of ourselves and on the invisible part of ourselves that's not... Because there really is such it is such a big topic to um, yeah. get my head around. Um, it's so complex. <laughs> so are there, I guess, certain foods then that are going to be better for your cognitive performance that can yeah. help, I guess, with that gut bacteria? Yeah. Yep. So there are certain prebiotic. If you look online, and it, it, again, it's a huge topic, there are certain prebiotic foods and you know, even something like green banana flour is apparently a prebiotic food. It tastes horrific. But, you know, I'm saying that. <laughs> and there are certain things that you can do to your food, like even just as simple as cooking it in a little bit of quality oil and letting it cool. These are your starches, your resistant starches. And, and there's a little rice trick to make it lower GI and more beneficial for your good bacteria by putting a little bit of coconut oil and cooking it uh, with the evaporation method rather than, you know, how a lot of us, we boil our rice and then tip it yes. into the 
colander, yes, you're better off Googling the evaporation method and using like a really good quality, maybe organic basmati, putting in a good glop, like a tablespoon of, of coconut oil while it's in the boiling stage, then you know, you turn it way down and put the lid on and that oil infuses into the rice and you've got to cool it off. So this is where it's good to cook it the night before or whatever, mm. have leftovers and then have it the next day and it changes the consistency of the starches. See all so, these little yeah, tips and tricks and and yeah, it, it makes a big impact. Yeah, so, you know, sugar and high carb, high crappy carb, I would say, you yeah. know, like your sugars. And your lollies and your deep fried foods and your bad oils. I'm a big believer in good oils, like your beautiful organic olive oil and your coconut oil and, and even ghee and grass fed butter. Those kinds yeah. of oils and avocado oils and your omega threes, they're the oils to be eating and your body needs them and they reduce inflammation. We haven't even started talking about inflammation yet, but inflammation <laughs> is massively associated with uh, trauma and stress yeah. hormones and gut health or ill health. And, you know, things like gluten and dairy, who doesn't love a massive binge on toast when you've had a stressful whatever, but it's the worst thing you can do to your gut. And gluten in general for a lot of people with trauma is quite a disaster, unfortunately, because your gut is already in a little bit of an inflamed state. Gluten, the way it is these days in modern, you know, like your crappy breads and stuff yeah. like that, it's a complete disaster for not only your oh, um, gut bacteria, but your gut health. I know. There's nothing better than a crusty yes. French roll. And, and dairy. Yes. And croissants. Oh, I miss croissants. Yeah. yeah. So just on that note, so short-chain fatty acids have the power to cross blood-brain barrier where they can impact the brain structure and function. And mm. I read that on lifescience.com that there was links to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis and depressive disorders. So those oils you're talking about, do they contain those short-chain fatty acids? You're talking about things like trans fatty acids? Yes, that's right. One of the biggest implicators of those kinds of diseases is inflammation. And if you take in the wrong oils, I'm talking your canola oil, mm. your deep-fried oh, cottonseed oil, all of those oils, I've got to be careful what I say because I, I start getting very passionate and sweary. <laughs> All of those oils are disgusting for us and they, they can cause horrific inflammation, not just in our gut but in our brain as well. And our brain needs the good oils to feed the myelin sheath. So the myelin sheath, which surrounds the nerve itself, helps to feed and nurture the nerve and helps also with, with the signal as it passes down the nerve axon, right? So if you don't have a healthy myelin sheath, you're not, your nerve system is just not going to work no matter what. And that myelin sheath is nurtured by your good fats. And I just want to also say that if you've got leaky gut, which is because of inflammation in the gut, which damages the gut membrane, that area, the mucous membrane basically kind of comes from the same point developmentally in the growing fetus back when it's an embryo mm. and the 
blood-brain barrier is kind of from that same tissue originally primordially. So if you've got, and this is a new kind of thing, if you look up the, the science of it, it's quite new. If you've got leaky gut, and I know that's not necessarily considered a thing in, in conventional science, but if you've got damaged gut tissue, you've also likely got compromised blood-brain barrier, which lets in too much into the brain itself. So that's another thing to consider with gut health. You want to make sure you've got really good gut health and your enterocytes lining the gut are like, they're like little bounces, stopping all the, you know, things that are inappropriate from getting in. So if those bounces have too much space between them, this is what's kind of considered leaky gut, where you're getting things that are too big leaking in. You got leaky gut, you got leaky blood brain barrier. You're eating crappy fats, you're incorporating those fats, those, you know, trans and, and crappy fats into your cells and into your brain tissue. And it's causing inflammation. So just quickly, because we need to wrap up, if you yeah. have been on that path and say brain barrier has been damaged, is there a way to then fix it, I guess, is a simple wording? Yeah, it all starts in the gut and it all starts with gut health. Sometimes it means living in a really boring way by cutting out a whole bunch of stuff. Alcohol, for example, destroys gut function like destroying the, the tight junctions, they're called, between the enterocytes of the gut. So alcohol is a disaster. Going off a whole bunch of foods, and this is where certain testing can come in to see what kind of foods a person reacts to as well, but also bringing down that fight-flight response so that your gut is working properly, looking at parasites and seeing if there's any parasites that have been um you know, opportunistic parasites that have come in. Mm. Um, also making sure your nutrients are there properly. A lot of people don't absorb nutrients and, and our food is quite depleted. So making sure you've got enough zinc, making sure you've got enough magnesium in, in quality, yeah. you know, supplements, making sure you've got all of those trace minerals that allow your body to make all the, the digestive enzymes, making sure your stomach acid's there properly. There's a whole lot of things you can do for that to improve gut function and to improve also adrenal function. Yeah, it's, it's all connected. I'm going to get going <laughs> and go and find my magnesium. <laughs> um, no, genuinely, though, thank you. It has been really informative. Yeah, I, It really is such a big topic to try and get your head around, but it's huge. It's a great start. So hopefully it's helped someone to be able to break it down a little bit and get some value and to be able to help them improve their own lives. So thank you again. No worries. Thanks, Quinn. If you'd like to hear more from Penny, I'll leave the web link in the show notes. I'm Quinn Carnegie and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Manifestation, Motivation and Passion. I'm so thrilled you chose to spend time listening and would be even more grateful if you left a positive review. And if you found value, no doubt your family and friends will too. I'd love it if you share it with them. Thanks again.